Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode of Everything Under the Sun is sponsored by NHTSA. A child's body temperature rises three to five times faster than an adult's, and leaving a child in a hot vehicle can lead to their death very quickly. Tragically, in 2020, 24 children died of pediatric vehicular heat stroke, and many of these incidents occurred when parents or caregivers simply forgot the child was in the car. Please set yourself reminders on your cell phone or place something you'll need in the back seat so you don't forget your child. Always look for your baby before you lock. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun. It's our weekly podcast featuring in-depth interviews with experts from AccuWeather and from around the world, bringing you behind-the-scenes information, stories, and news on the weather, climate change, and the outdoors, covering topics from the worlds of science, sports, and space. It's all the information you need to weatherproof your life. And now, here's the host of Everything Under the Sun, AccuWeather meteorologist, Dean DeVore. Since 1988, Discovery Channel has put on Shark Week, now 34 years in the running, the longest cable programming event ever now as a regular event every year. And we're going to highlight that with Dr. Stephen Kajiora, professor of biological sciences from Florida Atlantic University. As I get ready to take my vacation up into some shark infested waters up at Cape Cod, friends, sit back, relax. Let's learn about sharks and talk about everything under the sun. Hi, friends. Welcome into Everything Under the Sun here. It's episode seven already of this summer 2021 series. I can't believe that we're just rocketing through. Back from New York, where the Macy's fireworks display was absolutely incredible. Again, thanks to Macy's and all the folks, including Orlando Veras, who joined us in our last episode to talk about those amazing fireworks. And uh, we're getting ready for vacation here in my household. My partner, Joel, and I will make our annual trek up to Cape Cod. And of course, over the last few years, shark sightings have been part of that time frame. And of course, this is the time of year, as I said up front, where it is Shark Week coming up on the Discovery Channel. That starts on July 11th and runs for a week. Already Shark Fest now going on on National Geo Graphic and Disney Plus, and it'll be continuing to run over the last few weeks. You know, a lot of myths, a lot of misconceptions about sharks and their behavior and how they impact with people. But a person who has been a guest on this show before joins us again to kind of demystify that and take some of the scary nature of this out to people and, and educate them. But also, we have to understand that things are changing in the shark world. So we welcome in Dr. Stephen Kajiora. He's the professor of biological sciences at Florida Atlantic University, FAU. And he's been tracking sharks in stints in California, Hawaii. And now he's the resident expert. He's even went and got his pilot's license to start monitoring shark movement from the air. He's an amazing individual and has a lot of great information. Let's get ready for Shark Week as we welcome Dr. Stephen Kajiora into Everything Under the Sun. 
Stephen, I'm excited because I go to Cape Cod every year. I go to Provincetown for a week. And so I've been uh, dealing with uh, shark sightings and all the hubaloo. I'm on WBZ in Boston. And so that's uh, certainly gotten uh, everybody's attention, especially as it seems like we're off to the races here for shark season with uh, lots of sightings already in this early season. And we're also, Stephen, hearing about sightings in places that we weren't necessarily so accustomed to them before. For not only along the East Coast, but the West Coast. So just kind of a general overview. Does it seem like the sightings are up in greater numbers early on this season than we've seen in the past shark seasons? Yeah, we're definitely seeing a lot more sharks now than we have even just a decade ago. And I think you know, a lot of this is attributable to the fact that the marine mammal uh, protections, which went into place in the 1970s, are really starting to bear fruit at this point as, as marine mammal populations increase you've got the potential for a lot more predators like the big white sharks for their populations to increase. And it takes time. You know, it's not an instant fix. You know, marine mammal populations have to bounce up slowly. And then as they bounce up slowly, the shark populations will bounce up slowly as well. So you're talking, you know, decades of, uh, of, of hysteresis in the system before you're starting to see these increases. But I think that's what's really leading to uh, these big numbers now that we haven't seen uh, for a long time. What about the idea that we're starting to see them in places that we weren't accustomed to seeing them before? I remember the thing that prompted me talking to my producers about wanting to do this interview was the fact that we were seeing reports on the West Coast, which is you know not something that we're used to. So is that whole situation that you just talked about also leading to us seeing them in, in other areas of geography that we're not accustomed to? Yeah, it's it's the exact same phenomenon. The um the populations of, of seals and sea lions have increased on the west coast of uh, the U.S. as well. And you're seeing the exact same increases in, in white sharks over there that you're seeing off, you know, Massachusetts area. And so the, the same phenomenon is happening. We're getting increases all around. And, you know, as a, as a scientist, I think this is exciting and it's, it's, a, it's a good sign. It's indicative of a, a robust ecosystem. If you can support the top level predators, it means you've got enough base of everything else underneath that uh, that pyramid to uh, to support them so um seeing lots of sharks is is a good thing it is i think from that standpoint but i'm sure that a lot of <laughs> folks have trepidation about it especially when these sharks have encounters and uh, i just went over the news and i saw at least three or four encounters in new england here uh, close to the shore in the last week or so now look it's not bad to say that the risks of everyone that goes into the water getting an encounter with a shark are extremely low but it is certainly something that we got to keep in mind mm -hmm. and listen and think so just talk about some of the tips as beachgoers along the eastern seaboard and other places that we can use this summer to to kind of keep in that mindset you know it really sort of depends on where you are so uh if you're up north you're more concerned about like the big white sharks for example if you're farther south you know in like the carolinas or you know georgia florida area you're more concerned about the smaller sharks, like the black tips. And you have very different impacts depending on the size of the, uh, of the predator, right? A little black tip uh, may be responsible for the greatest number of bites on people, but they're relatively minor bites. They'll bite you and your, your hand will be messed up or your arm will have lots of uh, holes in it, but it's not a fatal bite. And so those, those smaller sorts of bites, certainly unpleasant, and I feel bad for anyone who gets bitten, of course, but uh, it's, it's a different sort of concern than if you're off you know, New England, where you are, 
uh, you've got these big white sharks. And if they do make a mistake and bite you, that could very well be a fatal bite. And, and so that's more of a function of their size and the size of the mouth and the size of the fish versus that a, a great white doesn't necessarily isn't any more aggressive. They're right. just bigger and can cause more damage. Is that a fair statement? Right. That's exactly right. And, you know, the, the white sharks, they're after things like marine mammal prey, like, you know, seals and sea lions, things like that. And so uh, someone paddling along in the water might very well give that impression of being a seal on the surface and might be a target for a, a white shark who will probably make a mistake, bite you, realize Ugh, you don't taste at all like a seal and spit you out. Hmm. But by then the damage is is done and it's catastrophic damage quite often. Right. Now, when we look at that, um, w- is it just always the motion or in terms of you swimming that would draw? But to me, it's also other things. If there are bait Mm-hmm. opportunities or food, other food opportunities for those sharks near you. You're around people that are fishing, especially throwing chum and that kind of stuff in the water. I mean, you can set yourself up to be in a situation to have a better chance to have a, a shark encounter. So it's it's a combination, but a lot of it boils down to the motion of your body attracting their attention, correct? That's certainly one of the factors, like you said, um, you know, if you're splashing around and looking like a potential prey item, then clearly you're going to have uh, the chance of being bitten more so than uh, a smooth streamlined uh, person who's just sort of gliding through the water and not uh, not attracting attention themselves. But also, uh, you made a good point about, you know, being in the wrong place at the wrong time. If there are like fishermen there who are fishing and have, uh, you know, dead fish or bloody fish or chum in the water, that's going to be attracting these uh, sharks closer to shore. So, you know, exercise common sense. Don't go swimming if someone is you know, fishing right there, go somewhere else and go swimming. And and similarly, the, one of the other factors that comes into play is uh, the visibility of the water. You know, how clear is the water? If it's clear water, the shark can see, oh, yes, you're a human. You're not the sort of, you know, typical sort of prey that I want. They can distinguish that um, and, and leave you alone. But if the water's kind of murky and you're thrashing around and making some sounds, the shark may be attracted in general to that stimulus uh, come up and end up biting you before it realizes, oh, you're not at all what I want. But again, the damage is done. The other thing I think it's it's I think there's such a media focus on this that you're going to hear reports. So if you're going to the beaches and you're going to the shores, you're going to want to check in ahead of time, look at the news, right? And then once you're there, keep abreast of that too, because you know if there's an increase in sightings and problems, that's going to be something that's going to make the news. So it's kind of staying aware during your vacation if you're not used to being in that place of of that kind of risk and and how you can mitigate it and let the professionals kind of advise you as you go through your trip, right? Right. And that's another thing. I believe in the Northeast, they are instituting uh, shark flags now. So when you go up to Massachusetts, you'll see the, the flags flying to let you know the sharks have been sighted in the area. And of course, this, it makes perfect sense. You know, if you see the flags and just be super cautious about, uh, you know, getting in the water, consult with the lifeguards, you know, and if you do swim, swim somewhere where you've got lifeguards nearby. So in case something does happen, You've got someone who's right there. If you're off on an isolated beach by yourself and you get bitten, you might be, you know, so far away from uh, help that uh, it might get very dire very quickly. 
And the other thing is uh, to keep an eye on the youngsters, right? Because, you know, if you're in a group and a couple of those youngsters get away from the group again, I think uh, the shark's mentality is always to take the easiest course. So if they're attracted to you, they're not necessarily going to go to you if you're in the midst of a bunch of people. They're going to try to pick a a target that's, you know, something more isolated. So just try to keep everybody together if they're out in the water and especially watch the young folks, right? Right. Yeah, especially. and again, you know, a bite on a, an adult, you know, I might get bitten on the, on the arm, for example, it's not that big a deal to me, but if uh, you're a little kid who gets bitten, that could be your whole, you know, your entire arm or even half your torso or something, you know, smaller kids, the, the bite size is going to inflict more tissue damage. So uh, again, keep the, keep the kids close, but you know, what's, what's interesting though, and I don't know that this helps. A lot of these sharks, especially down south where you've got these smaller sharks, like the black tips, those right. black tips can come in very close to the beach, you know, right up in, in shallow water, you know, waist deep water, that sort of thing. So it is possible even in, in shallow water to get bitten by some of these uh, smaller sharks. And it, and that might be a catch 22 because if folks start seeing it, then they start thrashing around a little bit, getting excited about trying to jump away. I mean, it can be a little bit of a catch 22. Hopefully, you know, people like you, Dr. Kajiora and, and others can can help educate because it sounds like this is a trend that's going to continue with the increased numbers that we're not, this is not because of COVID. This is not because of anything else except just uh, maybe natural cycle. And these are kinds of thoughts that we're going to have to keep in our heads as we venture out more and more in the summers and to the beaches and stuff. It's going to be the new reality. We've gone decades with relatively depressed numbers of in, in shark populations uh, here in North America and worldwide. And then as our conservation and management efforts have come uh, to bear fruit, we've gotten more and more sharks. And so necessarily the shark populations are increasing. And so the uh, interactions are going to also increase. It's something that we just have to be aware of. And one of the things that's going to be interesting, as you alluded to earlier, we're getting sightings where we were not getting sightings previously. And so, uh, just by way of one example, the black tip sharks that used to migrate along the coast of uh, the U.S. They used to go from South Florida in the wintertime up the coast of uh, the Carolinas or so, um, maybe as far as Virginia in the summertime, and then come back down south again. What we're seeing now is these black tips are actually going much farther. They're going up to New York. Wow. Um, Long Island in, in, in big numbers. Wow. And so now their migratory range is increasing and people off, you know, Jersey Shore or, you know, uh, you know, south coast of Long Island, you know, for, for decades, they've never had to deal with sharks. And now this is the new reality. These sharks are there and they're going to keep coming. You know, as numbers increase and as water temperature increases, it's going to be something that people have to be uh, aware of going forward. So for the last few decades, while we had Shark Week and that uh, certainly that whole phenomenon has grown, it actually grew when we had lower numbers. And now that we're getting greater numbers, look, you're a scientist. You've been doing this for dozens of years Um but is that a catch-22? I mean, the awareness is there because of Shark Week and that, but isn't it the media uh, kind of production of that 
story a little more trivialized and a little more fantasy. I mean, I go back to Jaws, right? The the 70s and 80s movies, uh, you know, so right. so we, a lot of people have that in their mind when reality's different, still can be dangerous, but not to the uh, to the level that they're showing on those shows and movies and things. Right. And that's that's one of the uh, concerns with programming like Shark Week. It's, it's a great opportunity to educate the public, but it has to be done well so that the information that's getting out there to the general public is scientifically accurate. It's it's the best information and it doesn't invoke this sort of fear-mongering. It's, it's informative without being scary. That would be the ideal. That's what we would strive for. And I, I hope that they... They move in that direction. I do too. Uh, and especially because, I mean, with the climate change that we're dealing with and with the uh, ocean water temperatures rising, I mean, these problems or issues with getting sharks in areas that didn't have them as much before are probably going to continue here over the next few decades. Right. And you think of places like, you know, New York, where you've got this, you know, huge population density, a lot of people going to the beach off, you know, in New Jersey, New York in the summer times. And that's right when you're getting a lot more sharks uh, coming up there. So you've got a lot more potential for interactions now than than we did just you know a decade or two ago when uh, they weren't migrating that far. Well, in one of your articles, I read a great quote. It says, uh, "Knowledge dispels fear," and I think that's the biggest thing with this. That you know, for those of us who like to get in the water, I mean, there's no way that I cannot go to the edge of the land and get not get into the ocean. It's just in my DNA to want to be there. But we're going to have to deal with just any threat. I mean, any change brings new and different threats through our life. And this is something we're just going to keep an eye on and keep talking about. I'd, I'd certainly like to talk to you more about it as we go through the summer. If we see some trends, maybe we can check in again. Yeah, I'd love to do that. Uh, happy to uh, to chat with you anytime. The, uh, the other thing to, to keep in mind and to sort of put this into perspective, one of the reasons I think we get so much media coverage of these shark bites is simply because they are our rare events in the first place. You count on on uh, you know your hands the number of bites that actually take place, but because they are rare, it gets so much media attention, and it is something that uh, gets a lot of coverage, and it gets you know blown out of proportion um, compared to the actual risk. And unfortunately, I think that does more more damage than good in terms of scaring people rather than uh, informing people. Dr. Stephen Caggiora, thank you so much for joining us today on Everything Under the Sun. We look forward to checking in with you more and keeping on top of this situation as we go through the summer. Thanks, doctor. My pleasure. Thank you so much. And a reminder, Shark Week on Discovery starts on July 11th, going through the 18th. Shark Fest on National Geographic, Disney Plus running over the next few weeks. All kinds of great information. You may see Stephen and some of those broadcasts, on, especially on Discovery Channel. Stephen's been there. So thanks so much to Dr. Kajiora for joining us there. As I make my way up to uh, Cape Cod here this next week or so, I'll let you know if I have any personal shark sightings, although I hope not. Friends, we're going to take a break, and I'm going to talk about the weather for the upcoming weekend and the week beyond as we've been dealing with Elsa coming up the eastern seaboard here over the last couple of days and where do we go from there and we'll also preview some of the upcoming attractions as we continue to roll on. This is the Summer Series, episode number 7 of Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com This podcast is sponsored by the NHTSA Leaving a child in a hot vehicle can lead to their death very quickly Look for your baby before you lock Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. I'm meteorologist Dean DeVore, your host, Episode 7 here of our summer series. Thanks again to Dr. Kajiura, and uh, really looking forward to seeing all the programming that's coming up on Shark Week. Also looking forward to a vacation that, uh, well... 
It's uh, really needed, I think, for some of us who have been dealing with the weather. As uh, I'm your host, meteorologist Dean DeVore, and I'm heading up to the Cape, as I always do this time of year, for an extended week. And I think else is following me and my partner, Joel, as we'll probably be interacting with that as we watch it go by on Friday as this podcast drops. Some rain and wind along the coast, but then it exits. Heat is continuing to be a big story after taking a little bit of a break, a little bit of a pause. It didn't really cool off. Any. There wasn't relief, but that intense heat is starting to build again as we go through this upcoming week down in the southwest, and it's starting to expand north again up into Oregon and Idaho as we go through the late weekend into the weekend itself, and it's also pushing eastward. So after a little bit of relief and a beautiful weekend last week in a place like St. Louis, which was uh, close to 80 degrees with low humidity, those areas are going to start pushing upwards. We'll have some unsettled showers and thunderstorms in the wake of Elsa along the eastern seaboard. Nothing that looks like a washout. And we'll do the cleanup from Elsa as it's impacted the weather from Florida up through the mid-Atlantic and up off the eastern seaboard. And then getting into next week, it looks like, you know, again, the eastern part of the country stays more unsettled. We build in the heat and bake it in and continue to really uh, fire it up out west. And unfortunately, that's going to cause some wildfire situations. So as Elsa exits and the heat and the humidity build back into places, you're certainly going to want to stay tuned to your AccuWeather.com app, our AccuWeather network, and our great media partners, including the great radio stations, which I'm going to take a little vacation from for the next week or so. Friends, that'll do it for episode seven of Everything Under the Sun. When we reconvene next week... One of my passions is camping, as we've talked about over the last several weeks, and we are going to join forces with Mike Caudill from GoRVing.com to kind of give us a a sense of, for those of us who are mainly tent campers or not really experienced with RVing, what it would be like to maybe uh, get into RVing. We got all the great information at GoRVing.com, and Mike will break down some of those uh, great facts and things that you need to know. It's going to be an interesting segment next week when we talk to Mike. Also continue to follow everything that we've been following in the summer, including gardening, astronomy, plants, and all those kinds of things. Um, the cicada situation has waned, but we're going to get the seasonal ones as we get into uh, the end of the summer. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And friends, it is uh, full-blown summer, and we're enjoying it, and hope you are too. It's been an exciting week for me being in New York City and celebrating the Macy's uh, fireworks and then uh, watching this parade of heroes that... Uh, they were doing this past Wednesday in New York City. And certainly now I'm going to take some time off and I'll be back for the podcast, but I'll be off my regular radio schedule, but really enjoying uh, talking with you week to week. If you like this podcast, you have some suggestions, you can email us at accuweather.podcast at accuweather.com. Questions or suggestions for content or interviews, happy to hear them. And we've already gotten some great feedback over the last several weeks, and we thank you for that. For our great executive producers, Ken Prell and Andrew Robb, who you might hear a little more from next week as I take a little vacation. And for the hundreds of AccuWeather team members who I can't tell you have been working so hard with this first major tropical system to affect the United States and Elsa this past week. We thank them for all their hard work and we thank you for listening. We'll be back next week, episode number eight. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review Everything Under the Sun on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And of course, if you have an idea for a future podcast, just email us at accuweather.podcast at accuweather.com. Hold up. 
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.